Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris W. along with my co-host Chris S. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Green Eggs and West Ham. Hammers ended a season with a record-breaking point total. We've got a lot to cover and a lot to discuss. Um, just to give you a heads up on what is going to be covered this episode, we're going to start with a season recap, how we ended, and uh, just overall um, how the team did. We're going to move on to team awards and um, talk about who we think was the hammer of the year and young player of the season and uh, most improved, things like that. And then we're going to move on to individual player ratings. And at this part, we'll go through each player that played for West Ham uh, throughout the season and give them a rating on a one to 10 scale about uh, their, how they did. And also if they improve significantly um, their ending rating. Uh, so Chris, I mean, we pride ourselves on having good content, but also really concise content. So let's just get uh, right to it. Give me your season recap and overall, how did the hammers do this year? I, the one word I'd say is shocking. I was not <laughs> expecting us to be anywhere close to where we finished the end of the year. Um, we started off horribly. I mean, a couple bad losses looked like we were destined for relegation coming into the season. I think you and I both kind of predicted we were going to be just outside of relegation, but pretty low, you know, in the bottom half of the table for sure, for sure especially with not making many signings. Um, but we, you know, Moyes pulled the, pulled the boys together. They, they fought well. And the most magical season we've had of West Ham since I've been a fan. Um, Highest point total ever in the Premier League. We qualified for Europa League, um, not handily, but but qualified, and we're really only one, maybe two results away from from qualifying for the Champions League. In a season that um, saw us have some injuries, saw us have depth issues, um, especially coming in with not a lot of players and, and not high expectations. It, it was really a pretty magical season. Yeah, I, I think shocking is a good way to describe it, considering uh, I really started following the team last year when we were fighting relegation. And to see a team that can come from barely escaping relegation to uh, you know, fighting for Champions League, really, and then uh, also getting Europe in the end is something that I couldn't have expected with West Ham. And I think it's a real tribute, uh, first of all, to Moyes, uh, but also the players and keeping their spirits up and uh, dealing with all the, you know, you, there were no fans throughout the majority of the season. I think only the last two, two games at most had people very, very limited throughout the season. Um, so uh, credit to them, you know, and I think too, it was fun to watch the fan base because people, you know, I I've been following West Ham for a couple of years now, but the team, uh, people that have been following them their whole lives, 30 plus years or, you know, 40 or 50 years. I mean, to them, this was a magical season. If, you know, to really to be a part of that was, was pretty cool, I think, from the fan base perspective. So, but it really was in, in, in a tough year. It, it kind of provided a little bit of, of light. And especially mm-hmm. just uh, the last few years being such hard as West Hampton, being a not particularly fun run over the last maybe three or four years, given kind of the, the fights within the fan bases, the, the upset, um, kind of the disappointment in the owners, and, and just a, a, lot of, a lot of turnover at the club that, that's, that, that hasn't necessarily produced good results before this year. 
Um, it's just really nice to kind of see uh, a, a positive step and a step that really might be might be able to get built upon in, in future seasons. Some so was there was there any big thing you saw that Moyes did, the owners did, or the players did that really was the difference? And just to give you an example, what I'm thinking of is uh, for me, you know, Moyes came in, he, he came in last season at uh, kind of a shaky time, did turn it around a little bit, but uh, kind of was still getting used to the team. Whereas this season he had the summer to work with them and to, and bring in players like uh, Sioux Fall. I mean, I think he had really good transfers. I think that was one of the keys. I also think that his uh, game management and I would say um, game prep and, and tactics management too was big for me. There were a lot of times where I criticized his subs throughout the game, but the players he put on the field, he got the most out of them. Yeah, for me, it was kind of the attitude that Moyes brought, having kind of from a, a twofold aspect of the hardworking nature of the team. It, it's definitely the, the players give more on the pitch than they, I feel like they have under prior managers. Uh, and then even the players that have been the same, you know, over the course of, of different regimes playing perhaps more uh, aggressively playing with more, more heart. And then also just kind of the cohesiveness of the team. They, they seem to enjoy being around each other, being part of the same unit on and off the pitch. Uh, you, you, like the social media team at the club has done a good job of showing that aspect of, of what's been going on this season. And it seems to have made a difference, you know, under, I, I think part of it is the players, like I, like Sioux Fall, it's been a godsend this year. Suchek and Bowen are still relative, you know, this is their, their first full season with the team and they were great. Uh, Lingard coming on, Lingard and, and Dawson coming on for parts of the season. Um, so those have definitely been big, but overall, I think the biggest aspect is the attitude of the players. And I think that's the, probably the, the, the thing that's most likely to continue into the future is, is having that mentality as a group of players. Cool. All right, Chris, let's move on to team awards. Um, who do you think was your overall hammer of the year? Cause that one seems to be the most important and I think it is. Yeah, this is kind of a, a three-team race or three-player race, rather. Um, I was really torn between Rice, Suchek, and Sufal as my hammer of the year, and ultimately, I, I decided to go with Suchek for for two main reasons. One, he played the most out of all three. Um, Rice was injured for a little bit. That kind of, um, you know, he played great when he was there, but but it kind of lessened his impact overall. Uh, and then Sufal as well kind of missed a few games. And then the, the second aspect was, was the goals that Suchek scored, um, particularly kind of in the first half of the season. Um, he just went on a tear where it seemed to be scoring every single week. And, and I thought for um, the, the biggest perhaps weakness in our team was that we didn't have, you know, forwards that consistently performed. And so having a midfielder, particularly a defensive midfielder, be able to step in and provide those goals while contributing so at so many other aspects of the pitch was just kind of what, what crowned him as hammer of the year for me. Yeah. I, it's hard to, to, to argue that because his production was there, you know, uh, his not only goal production, but also assists and just presence on the field. Every time uh, he played, you, you know, he was touching the ball and, and really didn't make a lot of mistakes where I think that's what hurt Dawson. Dawson was great forward you know when we on corner kicks and things he scored a few goals uh, especially at the start but 
he made some critical mistakes that either cost us goals or red cards even. So um, I, I'd say in terms of being just a solid player, Suchek definitely was there. Um, the one that I, th- I think I would, I would have to go with though, just to, to give a little uh, competition, I guess is Sufal because without Sufal, do you have that many chances in the box? You know, do you have the really solidified the defense on the right side? I mean, every time last year, I would be sweating when they come down the right side because it was a little bit of a weaker side for us. And this year I had completely trusted that uh, Sufal would take care of it, you know, and I don't know for me, I'd probably have to go with him. I think, I think the thing that hurts us the most is his injury time because we really, really hurt without him. And I think if we had had him, we probably would have tied or um, come away with, you know, a few more wins. Yeah. Well, when you talk about kind of being kind of, you talked about his, his kind of going forward, and his defensive and yeah so he had seven assists and those were all you know he wasn't a set piece taker those were all really from natural play um offering you know there there were so many times that he was even just bombing down the line on a break that would pull someone away and allow someone like Lingard or, or Antonio someone else on the break to score and then yeah defensively I just the 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 game that really reminds me of this is is the game against Aston Villa where he just had Grealish in his pocket the entire afternoon I mean he it was a masterclass from that frustrating him all over all the game into to the, to the, to the extent that Grealish actually had to go to the other side of the field to try and get away from him. Uh, and just a game that wasn't particularly pretty um, in the other aspects, he just really kind of solidified that. And, and I thought it was a big reason for our success. Yeah. So he'd be a great one. And um, man, it's, it's nice to have both of them to have them be good friends uh, and then both be such strong contributors to the, to the team. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool that, you know, they both were brought in uh, this past year. This is the first full season they both played. Um, and I mean, both from the Czech Republic, you know, and I think even Suchek was the one that, uh, that suggested Sioux fall. So that's, that's pretty cool too. I, I really like them together. And I think I'm, I'm taking be- it by the fact that he's your hammer of the year, that he's also your, your signing of the season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, Lingard to me was, was close up there, but it's just, he kind of had a fall off on production later, whether that was because we started playing, you know, man city and teams like that, or whether it was, he just had a little bit of fall. Not bad. Great player. But to me, Sufal was consistent, solid the whole year. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you there that it was just such a, um, there's, there's no potential argument that he shouldn't be playing every week that there's just none, there's, there's no like situation in which he would not be in my starting 11 and yeah, great signing. Uh, so uh, I, who would your, um, or who would your goal of the season go to? I, I think this is a, another pretty locked up category, um, but I'll just let you take it away there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a locked up category, I think to West Ham fans, but it's a pretty also hot topic right now because the goal of the season, 100% without a doubt, should go to Lanzini against Tottenham. Um, pretty much 90th minute goal with... No, it was, ref- I think it was the like last real kick of the game. Yeah, yeah, the ref literally blowing the whistle after it was... I mean, it was incredible. So I, to take that and compare it to any other goal we scored, like that one... And, and, and that goal was pretty much, I think, the, the whole reason uh, we went through. Because if we had not won that game they would have beaten us a goal differential so to me that just how do you compete against you know how how is that not the premier league goal this season let alone our own goal this season 
Yeah, I'd agree. agree? That's definitely yeah. the, the goal of the season. And just from every aspect, from it being within that game, what it meant to just, you know, any any goal in the you know 94th, 95th minute, whatever, to tie, to come back a dramatic comeback down 3-0 with 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, and then also just the skill of that goal, hitting it first time into the top 90 from outside the box. And then also, yes, what, what it means as far as the entire season if that goal did not happen, we would not be in Europa League and they would. Just the, all of those things and against rivals, just yes. layered on layered on layered. It just has everything. Um, and, you know, yeah, I the goal that the Premier League chose for, for goal of the season, I, I mean, it was, an, it was a Tottenham goal that, from what I could see, was pretty inconsequential even within its own game and just... I don't yeah, know how he, you give that goal of the season over over Lanzini's. Even, no, his, even right. just purely what it was, Lanzini's was more spectacular in the moment than, than that goal. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I was actually really shocked at that because it, it what uh, the Tottenham goal that that won was just a it was a cheeky goal, you know. And goals like that happen in soccer where it, it's just I don't know. You get lucky sometimes, and the guy did a, a backhanded kick, and it, it worked for him, but. Yeah, like you said, the meaning of the goal, it wasn't against, you know, big, big rivals. Like it was just, I don't know. I I, I was really at a loss for that. But um, another one, Chris, I want to get to for the Premier League goals specifically um, or Premier League awards. Do you think um, Pep deserved the manager of the season or do you think that it should have been Moyes or do you think it should have been someone else? He would have probably been my third, I'd say, um, person to give it to. I, I would have given it to Moyes first just because, I mean, the where we came from last year to where we came now uh, is incredible, especially with the resources that we had. Um, and Pep just city were great this year, but it wasn't as I didn't feel as if you know it, it would have mattered that much. Like give give that to the if you gave what what you give to pep to the average manager in the prem they're going to be top two if you give what david moyes has to the average manager they're maybe 10th 11th 12th you know we we had pellegrini who was a very good tactical manager before and we were fighting relegation you know you it's the difference between the job that he's done in that in that location is, is what I would say um, pushes him above. I'm my second, just the person that I'd put even a, still ahead of Pep would probably be Bielsa at Leeds, just having a team come into the premier league, although they had done so well in the championship, but come into the premier league and be a top 10 side have very exciting um, style of play. Uh, he would have been an, another one that I thought could have got consideration for that. So it's funny because I would put I would put Pep as three. I don't want to say he's undeserving because he's a fantastic manager yeah. for sure. There's no question about that. Um, <clears throat> so undeserving is not the right word. It's um, I, I think there's more other people that could have been above him. And the, actually, mine I think Moy's number one for sure. Um, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second. But that my number two actually would have been Chelsea's manager. To, I, I don't know how to say his name. Tuchel. Tuchel. Tuchel yeah. I think I'm not I'm not up, I'm not positive on that, but yeah. Yeah, and the only reason is because he came in. You know, Chelsea were not doing well. He came in and they got to Champions League and they also won Champions League. So to me, that was and they beat Man City literally three times in a row, like back to back to back. So yeah. to me, that would probably you know be he. 
I think he definitely should have been in consideration. Like, no, you know, no question about that. But, but let me get back to why Moyes, uh, to me, should have been the Premier, uh, Premier League manager of the season. And I want to quote um, actually something on social media. Uh, this is from at WHU Game Day. I think they actually posted a really good statistic. So uh, Pep, he spent $97 million and the points tally changed from last season to this season was plus five points. Right, Moyes, on the other hand, spent $8 million. Uh, which is 89 million less than Pep. And then he had a points tally change of plus 26 points. So 21 more points than Pep did. Um, Man City also have won the league in, uh, three times in the past four years. And Liverpool, who won last year, um, had a lot of injury problems this year. So uh, on top of that, West Ham also got their record in Premier League points ever. Yeah. Which So to me, and and that ends the uh, the quote there. So to me... Every, every aspect of that, you know, points to Moyes. But, I mean, again, Pep did a great job. Like, he, there's just no – he's deserving of it. It's just I, I think Moyes should have gotten it. But, yeah. Yeah, well said. I, I mean, there's just – whenever the team that wins the league – like, I think we saw the same thing with Premier League player of the season going to, to Ruben Diaz. And I think he's been, like, really good for City, but – for sure. Did he really, I mean, I think they only allowed like two or three less goals than they did the prior year. Did, did he really make a difference where you have someone like Harry Kane who leads the league in both goals and assists um, for a team that was, I mean, the team itself was struggling, but he was just absolutely on fire on, the entire yeah. season. Like, how do you, and you, not yes, give it like to I him. See, defenders are overall not as highly rated or, or don't get as much recognition during rewards. So it's like, it's nice to see a defender get recognition in that sense. But like when you have a season like that for Harry Kane, how can you not give it to him? Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So uh, back, going back to West Ham a little bit, who would you say is our young player of the year? Because we already did hammer the year, which uh, encompasses everyone, but young player yeah. of the year is a lot more restrictive. It's it's tough to, tough to call rice a young player anymore just from the aspect of how long he's been a part of the first team um if he if he counts obviously he'd get it but but i'm gonna go ahead and say he doesn't qualify for that just just based on how long he's been in the team and he's kind of i think he's 22 now maybe um beyond that uh really the only player that i consider young that that young enough for that 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 factored into the first team was, was johnson um and i thought johnson played really well you know we saw him feature I think overall less this year than he did last year, just based on Sufal coming in and, and locking up the right back position. But one thing about Johnson is he, when he did play, he was good and he filled in um, on the right, on the left as a just pure full, fullback as a wing back. I think he even came on as a sub, maybe in defensive meal, d- defensive mid a few times, especially when we were short um, on, on midfield from injuries. Uh, always seems to give effort, seems to never seems like the moment's too big for him. Um, and I just think he's a really solid player. So I'd, I'd probably give him my young hammer of the season. But overall, um, it's it's kind of weird because we don't have – we our team is overall young, but no one very young. They're all just kind of like either, either just at the beginning of their prime or kind of in the middle of their prime. 
Yeah, yeah. I think Lingard's a good example of that is where he's a little bit of an older player, still has quite a few years left on him, you know, but he's, you just wouldn't consider him a young player. And same with Pablo Fornaz. Pablo Fornaz is 25. Great. I thought did amazing this season. Actually was in contention for my personal hammer of the year, just because of how much he contributed behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, I, again, yeah, I think there's very few players that actually played for first team that you could give it to. And, and I would have to agree. I think Johnson um, would be mine as well. First of all, uh, there's quite a few lack of options, but also because Johnson was good when, and, and if he wasn't good, when we subbed him into those critical positions, then we would have been exposed and had tons of goals scored on us. So the fact that he could just sub in there, do his job, you know, some, he had uh, some games were better than others, but he, he did a good job and I'd, I'd have to give it to him as well. Who was your disappointment of the season? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Huh. So I actually thought uh, the first few games that Noble was subbed in and played, um, I, I thought he did okay. It wasn't great, but towards the end when Rice was hurt, I, I thought Noble did step in in a big way. So I don't think he was a disappointment at all, really. Um, yeah. I th- yeah, I thought he played really well. He, he surprised me. I thought we were going to drop all the points yes. from when from Rush was gone, but we actually managed to win a few games and, and get some good results. I, I'd have to name my disappointment season probably as Yarmolenko. Um, you know, Mazuwaku, in a sense, I mean, he was hurt and he got re-hurt, but that's not really his fault. Like, there's not too much you can do about that. Um, Yarmolenko, to me, was was the big one. I know he was injured for a little bit of time, but when he came on, he just didn't really contribute a whole bunch for me, and, and that would be the deciding factor. Yeah. For me, I and this, is, this might be cheating because he's not really on the team anymore, but I, I think Hilaire was my just disappointment of the season. Just, I still thought he could pull something together you know I was such a big fan of his at at Eintracht following him there and you know when when West Ham signed him I was ecstatic I thought you know here we have our 15 to 20 goal season striker um did not work out and I think you know part of that part of that on him part of that on uh the system you know I was a big like oh no he's good it's just the system I still think that's true I think he's a great player but also he just didn't have the killer instinct needed to, to succeed in, in a Moyes setup, especially, you know, you, we see the people that keep, get picked over and over again by Moyes and it's the people that, that constantly give effort and he just wasn't one of them. So he'd be my disappointment of the season, but if, if we were limiting it to just, just players that are currently on the team, I would actually give it to Lanzini. Um, Yarmolinko is good. He's, he's injured a lot, but you know, I was, I was kind of hoping every season there's a little bit of me that hopes Lanzini can come and be what he once was, especially with Moyes seemed to get a lot out of him in his first spell as manager. Um, there was, you know, there was a few games where he and Arnautovic would just take over kind of as a two players at highest up the pitch. And, you know, I was hoping um, really, I mean, it was really kind of similar to how Lingard kind of took over during parts of this season. That's kind of what Lanzini was almost for a little bit, um, you know, a little more briefly, but, I was kind of hoping he could recapture some of what he was. And he, he played a little bit and he played okay. in some games, you know, he obviously had the goal of the season for us, but outside of that, you know, he might've played one game and kind of center mid when we had that injury crisis, that was good, but, but overall just disappointing. Couldn't find his way into the starting lineup. And um, there's never a moment where I was begging for him to be put on the field. See, that's interesting because you have seen him when he was in his prime and I haven't, you know, I, I kind of started following the team after his prime really when he was injured. So I, 
to me, he was, he wasn't that bad. Like he was okay. Uh, there definitely could have been worked his way into the first team. Definitely wanted to see more of him, but it's just funny because, you know, you're talking about how I think you're comparing him to how he was. And to me, just completely blind. I thought he was okay. He wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible, but you know, but I'm missing that the context. So, I mean, he would, he would have some, like he wasn't as consistent as when Lingard was during his crazy stretch, but on an individual game basis, he could have a game like Lingard's best. I just, I mean, he was a wizard with the ball, but yeah. um, But yeah, I think those are, it's safe to say, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't think those were going to come back fully, but you know, I expected some sort of resurgence, especially, another year removed from his big injury and kind of should be kind of back to full fitness. And it just didn't really happen. Well, uh, on that note, let's go into individual player ratings. And so the way we want to structure this is we want to rank them from one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best overall in the season, uh, half points as well. I'm going to go ahead and do half points. as well. Okay, that, That's fair. Well, so it, I think it has to include injury time and how that impacted yeah. the team. Um, you know, an example of that would be Rice would probably lose a point or two just because he was injured and that hurt us a lot, you know, and it's yeah. not really his fault, but it, you know, so we want to give an overall season, uh, overall view and one to 10, Chris, we'll start, uh, I think at the back is probably the best way to do it and work forward. Um, we, we can go ahead and start with Fabianski. I, let's see, I'll, I'll have to think about mine for a second, but I'll just give you some context because he saved us a lot of times, I think, and it really was a very very few goals the way that it was actually quote unquote his fault you know yeah i think i'd, I'd give him a 7.5 he was a half a half step slower maybe than he was last year um just but he he had those just still in some incredible saves saved us more than he hurt us solid keeper um i'm a little concerned you know we'll, i will talk about this more in the transfer episode that that'll be next next episode but uh, I am a little concerned that we'll, we will see a decline just with his age. Uh, but yeah, very solid keeper. Never was scared of having him in the, in, in goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably give him a seven. Um, I think he hits that injury proneness that, that really hurts my, my score with him just because like there were, I think two games this year where he was injured in, in the warm up to the game. So yeah. And it always seems to be like, Oh, he was kicking the ball or something. It's never like I, you know, ran into the post or something like that, like a typical goalkeeper injury. It's always kind of like a, I pulled yeah. my hamstring trying to kick the ball or something, which is not great because yeah. I mean, he could get injured at literally any game, you know? And so, um, yeah, I'd probably give him a seven. Uh, I thought there were a few times where he, he's, he's not a like world-class world-class keeper, you know, where, uh, other keepers might have might have gotten that extra save, but he was good enough. I think he did a good job over the season, and um, yeah. And so, what about like Randolph and Martin? Randolph played a little bit, yeah. you know, was wasn't a whole lot. Um, I I probably have to give him like a three or four, and that's not horrible on his part. It's just didn't get game time. He was there when we needed him, and move on. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give him like a I'll give him like a five and a half, just based on like. When he's in goal, I don't think he is going to like lose us the game. I, you know, I don't think he's going to make great saves that Fabianski would, but I don't, I'm not incredibly worried that he's going to be the one that just costs us the game. Um, Martin, yeah, really didn't play this year. Um, a little less confident in him than I am of, of Randolph, but 
but overall just just kind of average i don't even know what i'd give him maybe a a five just kind of didn't do anything good didn't do anything bad um so that's kind of you know all we got with the goalkeepers really fabianski the only one in playing any significant amount of time so kind of moving on to the defenders uh kind of start with the fullbacks what do you think of cresswell yeah, I thought Cresswell was, was quite good this season. He took, I would say, 90% of our corners. I think Bowen took a few. Um, and, and usually you could rely on his, um, his kicks into the box. And they, we scored a lot off of set pieces. So I thought he was quite good in that aspect. Um, he also came forward a lot. And I liked that we had enough defense um, within the team that Cresswell could go forward. Because yeah. I think that kind of hurt him last season is he really couldn't um, because we, we didn't have the defense for it. So he had a lot of assists from that aspect as well. I, I would probably give him a seven as well. I thought it was a good season. Wasn't his best, um, but he did have a really, really good season in terms of set pieces and assists. See, I, I actually, it's probably maybe where we differ the most. I gave him an 8.5. I thought he was really good just from the aspect of, yeah, he had, he, he provided a lot of assists, created a lot of chances, given a lot of those are off of set pieces. Um, which, but, but it's important to have a good set piece taker like that. So I, I think that's good. But where he really shined for me was the, um, he was much more solid defensively than he's been in your past. I mean, he did, he performed well early on in the season, kind of as that left of the three center backs um, when Masuaku was still playing. Uh, but even when he got, when Masuaku got injured, he really covered kind of that that left back in the four four back really well and i in in years past i'd been a little more hesitant with him his lack of pace um playing on that side but he you know covered well and i thought he was really i mean a very solid player for us on both sides of the ball um kind of the the other starting fullback being sue fall and you know he you got you gave him uh, your hammer of the year. And I think he was definitely in my, in my running for that. I, I ended up giving him a nine just based on kind of all the things we talked about, such a threat going forward, such an, you know, a great defender back very he loves to harry the ball carrier and doesn't give them a, a moment of break. So what, what would you rate him? Yeah, I'd rate him a 9.5. And I would say that missing 0.5. Um, the only reason he's not a 10 is because there are some defenders that it's very rare, but some of them are just absolutely the best in the world. And I would just uh, reference John Terry for this one um, and, and say like Boateng for Germany. I mean, you've just got some that are that. Are that. And so to me, they would be tens. Sioux Fall did everything he possibly could have. He is fantastic. He's on the Czech national team, does well there too. I mean, the effort is incredible. I don't think he could have done anything more. Um, besides that, you know, that just little bit of, uh, of difference in world-class, but he, he was incredible running down the side, extremely fast, the assists, the defensive uh, contributions. He saved us a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. He was just so consistent throughout the season. Um, kind of the, the other fullbacks, I thought, I thought Masuaku and Fredericks were both good when they played, but, but didn't play a lot, um, but both offered something different than maybe our, our starting center backs or, or sorry, our starting fullbacks. And I gave them both a, a kind of a six out of 10, just good, you know, not great injury hurt them. Maybe, maybe five and a half if, if I'm being a little harsh, but. Uh, yeah, I gave a, I gave Masuaku a five. And the only reason is because we really had a good uh, start with him to the season 
then he, you know, he had to go through that surgery. He got injured. Uh, we were hoping to get him back midway through the season and we got him for, I think a game or two. And then he just, you know, got injured again. So our um, just needed more time. It, not really his fault, but it's just disappointing because uh, I was really, really good forward to what he could bring to the team. And I think he did well when he was on, um, but you know, I, I would just say five for Fredericks. I would say six, uh, just because there are a few times we subbed him on for Bowen and I thought he brought a lot of speed. He, you know, did bring contributions to the team. I would not, I, I would don't want to transfer him. I want to keep him on the team. Cause I think he's that really good, like off the bench. Um, you need a little bit more defensive capability or some speed down the side. So kind of going to the, to the final fullback that played Johnson, I gave him a six as well. Comparing, you know, you said you wanted to keep Fredericks on the team. If if you were given the chance, let's just say generically at right back, Fredericks or Johnson, who are you going to put in? Yeah, I would put in Fredericks. Um, and the reason is because I think it's kind of tried and true. Uh, Johnson, I thought, is good. He needs to develop more. But Fredericks, to me, is is a proven right defender. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I think I think the experience is going to edge Fredericks in there a little bit for me. Just the fact that you know he's not always the most solid defensively, but he has the pace to kind of make up for it. There's there's less mm-hmm. clear weaknesses with him than with Johnson. You know Johnson's pretty good. Sometimes he's still a little inexperienced and young, and that can maybe lead to to giving a foul away that 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 he didn't need to. But yeah. Well, and just to add to that, I think if you had asked me um, which player would you keep if you had to get rid of one, I would have kept Johnson because I think he would develop. And I think I'm worried about Frederick's injury and everything, but if it's down to who you're going to sub in and Frederick's is healthy, I'm going to sub Frederick's in. So Got it. yeah, that makes sense. Cause definitely, I, yeah, I don't think, especially for what we could get for them. I, I wouldn't really transfer either away just cause they, they're, they're so, I know what I'm going to get with both of them and I'm fine for them filling in a few games, whether it's mm-hmm. injury or, or whatever, you know, sub in stuff like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Can, and I'd can, give him a six as well. Yeah, Johnson. Moving to the the center backs. For me, you know, I thought our best center back was Ogbana. You know, he was injured for a little bit, but I thought when he was in there, he was clearly the the best uh, of them all. Just defensively a rock. Um, I ended up giving him an eight. Only reason it wasn't higher is just because he did miss a fairly significant amount of time with injury. Um, and, but, but the thing is you could tell when he was gone because it, there, there were some games we played when he was gone that we were fine, but there were some games that he, when he was gone, that it was just very obvious that we were missing, um, our solid center back. Yeah. I, I so I actually gave him a nine. Uh, I was between an 8.5 and nine on this one. And he's missing that point. Like you said, just because that injury time, we really didn't miss him. However, we were okay without him. Whereas, uh, to me, rice would lose a, a little bit more points because he, there was a massive, massive difference. Um, with Hogbana, I love having him in defense because I trust the defense so much more. Um, but and so yeah, missing that injury time was was bad. But when he was in absolute rock, I mean, he would he made some tackles that you know I don't think there's many other people that can make those tackles. Yeah. Um, and and he just is a smart player. So yeah, to me it was a nine, but uh, I think we're right up there with you. So kind of his his main partner throughout most of the season, Dawson, came on. You know, was 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 originally a loney, but but the move being made permanent. Um, someone I was not excited for whatsoever when he was signed, um, but but really proved me wrong. Uh, I would also give him an, an eight out of ten. Just 
very very good for the most part very no nonsense the the even contributed a few goals um both in the league and in the cup my biggest issue with him is that i just never trust him with the ball at his feet um made a few too many mistakes and you know had that one where he had a bad touch and ended up giving away a, a tackle that led to his sending off and, and really kind of crippled us that game and made a couple, couple other mistakes throughout the season that were just a premier league player needs to be better, but overall, you know, provided um, I say, I say he was one of the more volatile players on our team, either offered something really, really good or offered something really, really bad, but overall very good season, eight of 10 for me. Yeah, uh, I'd, so I'd give him a 7.5. Um, it, when he has the ball, I'm very, very nervous and I'm stressed because sometimes he makes great passes, but sometimes he doesn't and they get a run one-on-one with Fabianski. And I think that's why Fabianski too got such a, a decent rating from me is uh, just because there were those one-on-one situations that Dawson put him in. You know, he came out on top a lot of times. But yeah, uh, Dawson, fantastic in the air uh, going forward and and even, you know, in defense. Um I trust him as a defender to make a good tackle. I don't trust him with the ball. So I want to keep him. I think he's a starter for sure. I think he's solid when there's Ogbonna back there. Um, You know, if we could just improve that ball control a little bit, that'd be fine. So Diop kind of is the one that is very um, divisive among the fan base. I feel like some people really like him. Some people don't. I've been a fan of him for the most part. Um, this season was not as strong for me for him. He he has not kept up with my expectations of of his what his development should be at his age. Um, I ended up giving him a five point five, just based on the fact that he was really good at times. He has great athletic ability, but he sometimes just makes really bad positional decisions. Yeah. So I actually gave him a 6.5 and I think that's, that's pretty interesting because I will be the first to admit, I'm not a Diop fan. Um, I, I don't really like when he comes in the team uh, when he's starting or when he's subbed on, but this season I actually saw a little bit uh, of improvement throughout. And especially when Ogbonna was injured, I definitely was extremely nervous at the start when Diop um, came, it was starting in his position compared to when, Ogbonna came back. I was actually, you know, Diop did a pretty decent job. Ogbonna definitely should start over him, but he, he did a pretty decent job. The positioning is, is the biggest problem. Diop's young. Um, I would be okay getting rid of with getting rid of him, but if he stayed on the team, I think he'd be, you know, that'd be good too. But this season I actually saw, I did see a little bit of improvement in my view. He's a, yeah. He's a tough one to decide whether or not you want to sell just because what are we going to get for him given that he's such an up and down player, but then he could you know, he could be such a great mm-hmm. player. So mm-hmm. do you want to give him up and risk the chance that he becomes, you know, a starter at a Champions League side, you know, and we gave him up for 12 million or something like that. You know, it's it's, it's a tough call. But yeah, definitely some, some shades of potential still there. It's just, I would have expected him at the age he is now to kind of have put it together a little more than he did. Um, and then And then kind of finally the, the last player that, that played significantly on the defensive side now, you know, no longer a West Ham player, at least as of the end of this month is, is Balbuena. I'm going to give him a five out of 10. He just, he has had better seasons for us for sure. Um, was forced into action maybe a little more than he was, than the fans wanted him to be just based on injuries. 
he was okay, but never really gave me anything I thought special this season. It was just kind of, he's in there, he's fine, but made a few mis- made a few of the Dawson-esque mistakes that, that led to goals and, and just, you know, wasn't, wasn't really a plus for me, more just a neutral to a negative. Yeah, I actually gave him a three. Um, I, I didn't think he did well this season. I, I remember one game where he did okay and was actually like a decent defender back there. The rest of the times he was making mistakes and not getting tackles that you would you would trust. So um, other defenders to get, I should say. So to me, yeah, it was it was pretty disappointing. Um, I I like the player, I really do. I I wish he would have been better, um, but there's just a missing element that I think is between him and you know and being a solid starter. Uh, so you, let's move on to midfielders, Chris. Um, so we've got our world-class, I would argue, uh, defensive midfielders in Rice and Suchek. And I think you, you have to start there with the midfield. Um, they start every single game. There is no question. There is no question who starts in, in those two positions. What rating would you give them? I ended up giving a Suchek a 9.5. Just, you know, he was my hammer of the year. thought the goals were incredible. He's just a defensively so solid in there. Won 6.2 headers per match. <laughs> um, and I believe, I think he set the record for the Premier League with like 16 headers won in a game. And that's from central midfield. I mean, it's not, a, you know, he's not a striker that, that we're hitting the ball up to all the time. He's not a center back that's getting, dealing with all the, the the crosses and such but but he just finds his way especially on the defensive side to to make an impact uh and then the 10 goals on top of that just getting it getting into the box whether it's on set pieces whether it's making runs beyond the striker getting on the end of them um done really well there the only reason i wouldn't give him a 10 is i feel like his distribution is, still isn't great um can get better you know i think he'll with another kind of this being his first season um, now that he has a full season under his belt, I think next year he'll be a little more aware of the pace of the game as far as passing in the midfield. But yeah, I thought he was really good. And then I ended up giving Rice a a nine out of 10. Really. I think he would have equaled Suchek's 9.5, just if not for the fact that he was gone, you know, the leader on the pitch when he's there, the, the attitude in the changing room, um, and then just really the skill on the field, our best, in my opinion, he's our best passer, um, just both in making a str- solid pass, not giving the ball away, but also the kind of long cross field passes that he can pull off. Um, still hasn't added goals to his game, but I'm not going to, you know, or or really like the direct assist. He's more been kind of the indirect facilitator just based on his positioning. I'm not going to rag on him too much for that. It's not the role we ask him to play. He's done everything that I think you can want in a kind of an anchor type player. Yeah. Uh, so I agree. Um, well, let me just get back to Suchek for a second. To me, I gave him a 9.5 as well. Um, he was right up there with Sufal in my hammer of the year. Um, so he is fantastic. He actually, you were talking about records. Um, I don't know if he actually set the record, but I know he was number one in the premier league for distance covered um in the total season and it's i don't think crazy i mean the guy runs and runs and runs and he's just an engine that never runs out you know and he's a a big boy too it's not as if you know this five five guy running around all field but yeah big boy no he is and and so i would just say his goal contributions yes we saw them fall off a little bit towards the end of the season but that's also when rice was injured and 
Suchek really had to stay back. Um, I, th- I really think his goal tally would have been even much higher. I would argue, you know, three to five goals higher if Rice had been the whole time. So to me, Suchek, there's nothing more um, that I could have asked of Suchek. Maybe his passing, maybe, you know, but uh, like, I think, like you said, the experience of, um, of a full season in the Premier League, I really think he's, he's on his way up, you know, and, and it's a pretty high ceiling that, uh, for him. Rice, yeah, I, I gave I think it's imperative that we keep both of them because they are. Mm-hmm. They're the core of the team, the, really. Ex- yeah. Ex- not just like positionally on the field, but as a you know, just foundational building blocks, they are, I think, what makes the team tick. Um, and everything seems to kind of flow from what they provide. So, yeah, we got to keep both of them. I know um, they'll probably be t- clubs sniffing around um, both Rice as always and then and, and Suchek as well. Yeah. And, and for Rice, I gave an 8.5, a um, little bit lower than you, Chris. And the, the only reason I, I would argue that is because of the vacuum he created when he got injured. Injuries, not his fault. Yeah. He got injured on England uh, on the you know international duty. Look, not his fault, but it was a huge problem um, for a long time. And we tried to put Lanzini in there. We tried to put Noble in there. Uh, I think even Johnson, you know, had, had gone in there once or twice as a sub. So it, it was a big, big problem. And so I, besides that part though, like you said, Rice doesn't really have the, the goals or anything, but, but darn, if he isn't a solid defender, he's so good positionally. He's so good as a leader and the effort that he, I think that's really what, what separates um, this team from the Pellegrini team is Moyes asked effort from the team players like Suchek, Rice, Sufal, you know, for nows, I mean, I can just keep going down the list on effort, and Rice is is up there with number one effort on the team. So, yep. all right. Uh, next, we've got Noble, and Noble is a tried and true veteran, loved by West Ham, Mister West Ham. You know, um, he came on. I actually, I as I said before, I thought he improved throughout the season, just in in terms of when I. I thought last season he might have been done in terms of contributing. It was just a, a leader from the bench. Um, but he really played a key role when Rice got hurt. And so to me, I'm going to give him a 7 or 7.0 flat. I think he was solid when we needed him to be. Um, definitely, I wouldn't want to play him the whole season. But what do you think? Yeah, I gave him a 7 as well. He's he's a, t- a tough one to rate just because your your other reference points are Suchek and Rice. Like he's, yeah. he's the only one that really plays that same position and it's almost unfair to compare him to them. Um, yeah, I was surprised at how well we did when he when when he came on for Rice. Um, and then yeah, just the it's so so underestimated the leadership that he brings. I mean, people recognize what a leader he is, but I think they underestimate what that leadership has as far as impact on the team. Um, you know, he's on, I don't know, probably manager five or six of his career, if not more. And he's always chosen. Like he's always in the squad. He's always going to be playing. You know, he's, he hasn't started this last year, mostly because of just his age, but he's always, always involved in the team, no matter who it is. And I think that's a, a big testament to his character. And, and honestly, you know, on pitch, he was much better than I expected this year. Um, so yeah, seven of 10 for me. Um, no, I, I, I'm going to be sad to see um, what, what seems to be his last season, probably this upcoming year uh, mm-hmm. as a player, you know, hopefully we get to see him as a, in a, in a coaching capacity for the club. Um, if, if that's what he chooses or, 
or if not that potentially even like a front office role for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so next up, move to more of the attacking players. Um, <clears throat> for nows. <laughs> for nows is a player, probably one of my favorite players on the team, if not my favorite player. Um, I think there's so much potential in him. I think I thought he had an incredible season and it, you know, if, if this is say what he's building from, then what we just saw this past season, he's going to be one of the best players. I think that, um, that comes across West Ham definitely in the next few years. So I gave him a 9.0. Um, the reason I didn't give him that extra point or anything higher was because the only thing to me that is missing, there's maybe a little bit of decision-making it's pretty rare, but sometimes he doesn't make the best decisions. Um, the big thing though, is the finishing and, and, you know, Sometimes he misses a lot. Sometimes he just doesn't take a shot when he should. Whether Whatever it is, I just wish that he would be slightly better at finishing. What do you got? Yeah, I, I gave him an, an 8 out of 10. And that was, yeah, I think we're probably the most pro Pablo Fornals podcast, you know, in the West Ham sphere. Uh, just, yeah, love his effort, love his attitude, um, his little you know, cocky smile, his little, little grin, um, always it, anytime West Ham scores, he celebrates as though if it was him that scored yeah. a 90 minute winner, winner, you know, in a world cup, he's just ecstatic. Always one of the first people over to celebrate. Um, even if like he could be wide open and the guy, if like to where the guy would have just been able to lay it off and, and him tap it in, but, but the guy scores himself, he's not mad. He's just like, yeah, we scored. And so uh, love that about him. Yeah, I'd say I'd agree with you that the only thing keeping him from getting higher is he he needs to work on his finishing. Um, not he it's tough. So we had five goals on the year, four four assists. He gets less of a goal output than a lot of our other attacking midfielders like Bowen or Lingard, um, but. I don't, so he wastes some chances, but I also think he creates more chances than what most players do, like by getting in the position. So it's not as if like, oh, like it was not like Hilaire where like Hilaire just wouldn't put chances away or anything like, but no, no, you know, Fornals is actually the one creating the chances. And yes, he's missing more than he should. Um, But I think another, other players wouldn't have created as many chances as he did. And so I don't think we'd see that big of a a goal tally difference. Uh, And then also just the, what he brings to the entirety of the, the team, both, you know, the keep, he can keep possession. He can play def- extra defensively, like wherever we put him, he's going to be a plus in, you know, three or four different aspects of the game rather than some players that are only really good at one or two things. He's, he can continue, he can help the team kind of as almost a chameleon, wherever we put him, whether it's, you know, we played him more in central midfield, sometimes played him more as a number 10, played a more kind of on the left or right wing depending on the on the formation and so that's a very valuable player to have and yeah if 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 this is his you know he was one of the ones I think for me that was most improved this year but if he I still think he has that extra step or two to take to be a really good player yeah I do too and I do think uh, his defensive contribution is extremely underrated Um, would you I, I know you and I both love him and I, I, I do not think we will sell him and I would not want to sell him. What price would someone have to come and say, we'll pay you this much for you to say yes. Yeah. Um, I'd have to think about that one. I would, 
I would say, I would say probably 30 million, maybe 20, 20 to 30 million. And the only reason I would consider something below 30 is because I really think he's got a long way to go. He's already a starter for us. He's already a really, really good player. Um, I think if we sold him, you would lose the defensive contribution. Um, uh, yeah. I, what about you? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a penny less than 30 and okay. even yeah. kind of at 30, I'd still be a little hesitant. I mean, if, if you gave me 35, I'd take it for sure. But yeah, anything less than 30, I'd say, no, nah, we just got to keep him. He, he, meet, yeah. he, he contributes too much. That's, that's not tangible. Like too, too, he's so much of his contribution is not show up on a stat sheet. It doesn't show up on, you know, different things. He, he's not flashy in that way, but, but he contributes to the overall success. Yeah. I do think 20 to 25 million would be a pretty big steal for him. Um, but yeah, that's a good, good question. What do you got for uh, Lanzini, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was going back and forth. I was thinking a six at first, but I think I'm going to downgrade it. Well, no, I'll keep it at a six. I, I think if he didn't, if he didn't score that Spurs goal, it'd be more like a five. Um, yeah. But yeah, just, you know, doesn't show me enough when he's on the pitch doesn't i know and part of it's you know part of it's i think relative expectation i know what he can do but he doesn't do it and i it frustrates me um and i think he is he's he was better at po- at points this year but i still think he's one of the only player one of the only players out there that didn't really seem to buy into the moy's effort level um and moy seems to really like him so like there's something about him that moy's really likes but but he doesn't offer the same engine that a lot of other players i feel like do um and so i just not enough contributions from him for me to rate him any higher yeah yeah i gave him a five as well uh he gained a point um literally just based off that tonham goal because that was so key but uh yeah no to me i mean he was just an average player you know he's a good player i mean he contributes a sometimes but it's not consistent and when he doesn't contribute it's literally just a rock on the pitch so that really really hurts him for me um yeah i i don't think there's really too much to be said about that yeah so kind of going from the the attacking midfielder that maybe had the the worst relative to expectation to the one that had the best uh lingard what what rating would you give him yeah, so I actually gave him a 9.0. Um, I, he fell off in terms of goal production towards the end of the season, and we saw a few times where uh, he was a little bit frustrating on his play, but I gave him such a high rating because of what he did, especially at the start when he came in, um, really elevating our season, taking it to the next level. Uh, we, I think we would have finished top 10 without him. I, think, I, I don't think you get Europe or Champions League, like not even in a competition without him. You know, yeah. uh, without him. So. Yeah, I, I give him a 9.0. I, I, I do want to see more goal production, and I want to see consistent goal production next year. I, I really think, though, he found his, his way. I really hope we get him uh, on a permanent deal. Yeah, yeah I think he, yeah, he got a nine, 9 out of 10 for me as well. Just the goal production was key. And he seemed to be the, the player that seemed to create the most out of nothing. You know, a lot of... Um, like I wouldn't expect Suchek to get 10 goals from a defensive mid, but he was like getting them in ways I would expect our team to kind of create goals off of set pieces, getting, you know, into the box. We're like, you know, over half of, of Lingard's goals were just kind of like 
10 seconds before the goal happened, I would not think we would have scored a goal. Like I, I didn't, you know, whether it's be on the break or just him hitting, you know, some good long shots, just created some really good goals out of nothing. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, he really an electric player. I thought he was one of the most entertaining things to watch about our season. Well, it's funny. You mentioned 10 seconds before, because I specifically gone on the one goal that was up for goal of the season uh, with him. They, I'm pretty sure they took a corner or they were at least shooting at our net 10 seconds before our goal. Yeah. And, and then we just booted it to him and he took it and scored. So yeah, I, I, I really, he is a fun player to watch, you know, let a, even if he's scoring or, or he's just doing a, a key pass, he is just fun to watch. Yeah. And yeah, he cooled off a little bit, but I'm not too concerned. Like, yeah. If he would have kept that for him, you know, he'd cost us 60 million to sign. Like there's just, he was on fire and. Um, Might've been a tactical move on his part. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Moyes could have told him, Hey, Hey, yeah. you know, score a little less. Well, another thing is, he shocked me how, you know, I was kind of like, you know, we sold Hilaire, we bring in Lingard, we didn't bring in a full-time striker. What are they doing? They didn't, you know, they, they just, they, it wasn't even permanent. It was just a loan. Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I was expecting like some decent things out of him, but not not a lot. And then you just come on to the pitch, and, and even his goal contribution aside, I thought defensively, effort wise, he was just much more present than I than I had expected from from kind of his reputation as a Man United player. Um, and, and I thought he was really um, just a him and Dawson kind of provided this mid-season spark that, that we really just needed to kind of push to that next level um, and, and maintain our, our, our pace to, to, to fight for Champions League and, to, and eventually get into Europa League. Yeah, and one more comment on him before we move on. Um, think of, yeah, he kind of lost his form at Man United. And then when he came over to us, he, he regained it. And I love how he interacted with the fans and, and kind of received, you know, our love for him in that, um, we were happy. We were really, really proud to see him excel at West Ham. And so I'm hoping that that really has an impact on him in terms of him wanting to move to West Ham. I, based on reports, he does want to now, whether those are biased or not, I don't know um, because it all is West Ham sources, but I just, I, I think to me, that was just really cool to watch that he regained, you know, he had a spark and, and we really adopted that and loved him for it. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of me inside that's like still doubting him. I don't know why. Um, like, I really, really want us to sign him as a full time player. It seems reports seem like it's 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 possible, maybe, maybe not likely, not you know, not depending on the other suitors and stuff like that. But I'm 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 a little hesitant that this was like a flash in the pan that's not going to come up again. But I don't know, like I. The, the potential is too tantalizing to, to not do it. Cause we were, you know, he had his run of form at a time where it felt like almost none of our other players were really performing up to their full um, and, and just kind of kept us getting good results almost by himself. Um, yeah. So yeah. a team that has a fully fit striker, you know, the midfield pairing of Rice and Suchek, when uh, you know Lingard on form that that's a dangerous team completely agree yeah yeah so another midfielder we've got is Bowen and um Bowen and I, I kind of want to loop Ben Rama into this as well just because both of them um 
contribute differently to the midfield. So Bowen for me, super fast, uh, can play striker. We've seen because when yeah. Antonio got hurt, I gave Bowen an 8.0. I think Bowen was good. Um, I, I was debating between a seven and eight. I, I thought Bowen was good. He contributed for sure. Scored some goals. Great. Um, there were, I would have liked him to work into the first team solid starter every time, but it seems like, uh, and this is why I want to bring Bren Rama in. It seems like when Moyes wants to take a sub, Bowen's the first one off. And and that could be because Bowen's running like nuts and then yeah. gets tired. You know, what do you think on that? And and what's your rating for Bowen specifically? Yeah, I gave him, I gave him an eight as well. And I, like you said, I was kind of hovering between a 7.5 and an eight. I thought he started strong, kind of not, tailed off at the end of the season he also didn't play as much near mm-hmm. the end of the season we'll kind of talk about that in relation to ben rama um but yeah just great signing i mean i'm never sad to see him on the field just what the effort that he brings he's a goal threat um i think he needs to develop a little bit his um if he developed his weak foot a little bit more he'd be really good i, I think he's he's you know he's not as egregious as like Yarmolinko who will you know, very obviously trying to get it back on his left foot. But but if he showed maybe a little better, a little more willingness to take a shot or or send in a cross on his right foot, um, he'd be that much harder to stop. Uh, so, I'd, yeah, I'd give him an 8.0. And I love his effort, though. Love his effort. Love his versatility. You know, um, I don't – yeah, I don't know why Moyes takes him off first. It might be because he runs a lot, but he's never got – I've never seen the effects of fatigue on him. Mm-hmm. to make me think he why, why he's the one to be taken off. No, I completely agree. And, th- and that's why I wanted to bring Ben Rama into this too, because Ben Rama for me, I gave him, I, again, I'm between like a 7.5 to an eight. I'm probably going to go with the, uh, probably a 7.5 just because I, he got the goal at the end, which we were extremely, extremely happy for. Yeah. Um, I, I think he, can only go up. You know, I, I don't think he's bad at all. I think he definitely deserves um, to either, either start or sub on. I'm just not sure which, you know, I, I love when he comes on. Cause I think he changes our attack when we need it. Um, when he starts, I think he, you know, yeah, I, I'd probably keep him as a sub right now, but he definitely felt to me, he seems to develop over the season, um, which is, I guess to be expected for someone who just joined the team. Didn't, you know, joined at the very end of that transfer window, didn't really have time to uh, acclimate to the team before he, before the season started in any way. Um, and was maybe a little disappointing early on. Moy, I, I thought he was exciting to watch. Um, and I don't really get why Moyes kept him off the field so long. Mm-hmm. Um, really didn't seem to get involved until like the last 10 or 12 games significantly. Um, but I thought he was really good. You know, people were people were mad that he wasn't scoring any goals. But I mean, he he ended up, he ended up getting that one at the end. Uh, but but really had you know he had six assists on the year, uh, almost an you know an assist almost every other game, uh, or almost every other ninety minutes. And so I think he I gave him a seven point five. Should he start? Mm. I think it depends on who you play at the end of the season. I was hoping, you know, if we, if we did kind of our three attacking midfield lineup, like we would, we did during that portion of the season. um, I wanted him to start over Bowen and I still really like Bowen. It's just like, I would have wanted a four Lingard Ben Rama lineup. 
as my as my main three. Um, so that even though I gave him overall for the season a lower rating than Bowen, by the end of the season, what he showed, like I think he could be really, really, really good. Yeah, so no, I know. I think he needs, I, I to, he needs to get a little better at decision making about when to shoot versus when to pass. Uh, but then part of that could have just been like his was really desperate to get that first goal. And so it's, we will see next season when he's now that he has gotten that goal. If, it, if it's a little more of a, a balanced approach. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I would debate on who, when he should start or when he should sub based on the team we're playing. Um, if you're really trying to break down a defense, you know, uh, then yeah, I, I actually would probably start him there. Whereas um, if, you need more defensive contribution and they're not just sitting back. Like, like I picture like a Burnley or something, someone that is going to, you have to chew through their defense. Whereas man city, you know, you're going to get counterattacked and they're probably going to have most possessions. So then I would start Bowen because yeah. Bowen can be better on the counterattack. So. Yeah. A little more pace and a, and a little more like, you know, he's going to help out his fullback and, and try and, you know, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, the last one we've got is Yarmolenko, and he was my disappointing player of the season. I gave him a 2.0. I, I thought he contributed absolutely nothing. What did you think? Yeah, I, I gave him a 3 out of 10. Just not not anything really good there. Didn't really stop. I don't really know why he was the one brought on so often when we could have brought on Otobeku, um mm-hmm. as a sub. Or it, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, sadly, I, I really... I think we're probably going to ship him out this this season, and I think it's kind of needed. I just he's at a point in his career, too many injuries, doesn't really seem to fit in the the style that Moyes plays. Not enough defensive contribution. Um, so yeah, pretty yeah. pretty not great. And then kind of moving on to forwards, uh, we really only had two that that had significant playing time: Antonio and Hilaire. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and start with Hilaire. I gave him a four out of ten. Had a few goals, um, a few good goals as well. Just, you know, some exciting ones, but overall just very inconsistent performer. Didn't didn't seem to create a lot of chances on his own and, and didn't really seem to fight for the team, didn't enjoy being there. I thought that the, the morale of the team improved after he left. Yeah, I agree. I give him a 3.0 for that. Um, same exact reasons. There's yeah. just enough said, yeah. And pr- kind of happy that we moved. I, I wish we would have bought a replacement in January, but very fine that we moved on from him. In, in January. Yeah. And I really think we just didn't play to his style and it's not, see, that's not hundred percent why um, he you know didn't do well, but if we had the team structure, if we had the style of his style, I think it would have been a lot better, just like Eintracht has where at West Ham, he just didn't fit, you know, and yeah. to me, a good player adapts to that. He never did. And I, and I like, I think it's a little unfair to him to like, he doesn't control his transfer fee. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't get to control that. So like people say, oh, 45 million pound striker. What garbage? What, no, I mean, if we would have bought him for 20 million, he wouldn't really have been much of a disappointment. Maybe a little bit, but not like that. Like, I think we got to judge him for what he was. We, we bought him or what well, Pellegrini bought him, never implemented a system that would work for him. Moyes got stuck with him didn't and you know he didn't give Moyes what he should what he should have so like that's on mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. um but also like we got to realize that this guy's performed elsewhere like he has performed elsewhere so i don't know um but one person who never seems to lack for effort antonio what would you rate him on this on the year 
Yeah. So <laughs> this is actually kind of a point of contention within my own mind, just because, and I'll explain it in a second. So I give him a 7.5. I do not think Antonio is honestly that great of a striker and I'll defend it. He, when he's, when he's on the field and he has a great game, sure. He's scoring two and three goals and it's great. The reason I don't think he's a, a great, great striker is because there are so many times, countless number of times where he could either do an easy pass for a goal to Bowen, or he could, he just completely screws up the f- final key pass and, um, and loses possession when there is no reason for him to lose possession or, you know, also his shooting ability, he shanks it left and right and above the goal more times than, you know, than I can count so, almost per game. So it's like, I, yeah, he can run. He's really physical. I think he's a good player and a good striker. I don't want him to be the starting striker. If I had my choice, he would not be the starting striker under any circumstances. To me, he would be a great, great, great sub striker. Um, 60th minute, you bring him on, boom. But yeah, and and he's injury prone too. So I'm I'm probably more harsh than most people, but I I do not rate him as highly as a lot of people do. Yeah, you're a little more harsh than that. I gave him an eight of ten, and like maybe seven and a half, you could say, because of the injuries. But he still had ten goals on the season, and was honestly like, I think that you know you can compare kind of Hilaire to him what they created. Hilaire's a better finisher, but still wasn't producing anything. It was like kind of going back to the same with Fernals. Fernals needs to work on his finishing, but he also creates a lot of chances based on his positioning, his work rate. I think the same for Antonio. Antonio needs to definitely get better with finishing, which I, you know, he's at the age where he's, he's not really going to get better. Right. Um, needs to, you know, try and make better decisions. Um, but just, he, he adds a dimension to our team. So like, he might not contribute in being the great finisher, like a, you know, like a world-class striker, but what he does is open up a lot of things for other players as well. Um, Yeah. Ideally just, I wouldn't want him to be our starting striker going into next season, but not because I don't think he's good enough more just because I don't think he's um, the injury, the injuries, basically he's not going to hold up. His body's not going to hold up, but yeah, I think he'd, he'd excel in a role in which he knows he doesn't have to play the full 90 minutes. So whether that's start the game yes. and know he's going to get subbed off, like in, you know, halftime 60th minute or come on at that period of time after someone else has already started. And so, yeah, um, absolutely. Well, let me just mention one thing too. I, I think you're completely right. And I think you're, you're spot on about that. He would be, I think so much better if he knew that there was someone else to back him up. Um, because, and I think he's giving 110% on the field, you know, no matter what, like, I'm not saying he's not, but I think that if he knew that he was going to get subbed off, uh, you know, I, I think that would, that would make a big difference instead of where we only have him, you know? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he is, well, I think he's another one that's like his, the things he contributes to the team aren't always measured. And even the things like his just hit attitude, what like I think we play a more energetic style when he's on the field. I think when he's around the team, people are happier, um, and, and I think that has an impact on our team success as well. But I mean, overall, you know, man, looking back at it, so many players that did well for us this season, um, mm-hmm. a lot that I thought, you know, had their best season in a West Ham shirt. Um, and 
also a lot that I think can even be better next year. You know, I think we talked about Fornals could be better. Um, Rice could, could potentially still young enough to, to even improve on, on his season. Um, I, I think we're going to have an exciting, uh, exciting team, assuming we make the right uh, additions in, in the transfer window. Um, Chris, you know, we, we, we talked about when we're, we're not, we're going to save uh, the, the next episode will be our transfer transfer episode. Any previews you want to give the fans about kind of what we might talk about on. <laughs> I, I think so. It's hard to do it now because you West Ham right now is shooting almost like a shotgun where there's, you know, all these, all these different things going on. You never know who to believe who, what actually is true. And, and maybe we're just putting feelers out there for some players and it never works out. But right now you just, to me, you can't trust any transfer news. Um, the feelers I would put out are, to me, I think one of the most exciting things would be um, the the young players, the young talent we bring in. Because there's quite a few players, and I'll, I'll tease with this, there's quite a few players that we're looking at that we actually are, from reliable sources, pretty close to getting um, that are, you know, their or number one. Or at least have real interest in. Yeah. Concrete. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. And, and but, I mean, they're the number one goal scorers on their team or – and 19, you know, or something like that. It's not like they're like, you know, 35 and this is the only season we're going to have them for. So yeah. Uh, What about you, Chris? Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for, for our next episode because yeah, it's still early on. I don't, I don't even think the window is necessarily officially opened yet. Um, But just about every player we've been linked with, I would be happy to get. And I think that's different than a lot of our other um, so far different than a lot of our other off seasons where, you know, still a scattergun approach. We we have that this year, same as same as other years. I guess it's just the there's there's such a media enterprise around these these transfer rumors and such uh, that that you never know what's really true and not. Um, but yeah, I I I'm still a little skeptical about how much Moise is responsible for our tra- our, our transfer success. The like Sufal Suchek. Bowen, those like they've all been great signings. I just don't know how much is it down to, to Moyes versus just luck. Um, but overall, I've been very pleased with the types of players we we seem to be targeting, um, and I'm happy to I'll be very happy to preview them. And maybe who knows by the time we we record the next podcast, maybe we'll have our first signing of the summer. Yeah, and it just I just pulled it up. Um, June 9th to August 31st is the transfer window. Okay, so, so four, not, four so days, few more days before the, yep. the official. And, you know, with the Euros happening, I, I assume we will get some. Uh, I, I bet those will definitely impact what transfers are made in the Premier League. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, the only thought I want to I want to leave is West Ham's in European football, and I'm excited yeah. to see it. So we're going on a European tour. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, man. And like, we're going to play some real teams too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of very good teams in the Europa League. Uh, I think we're going to, we have, we have a few different podcasts planned for, for this summer. We're going to have a trans, our transfer episode. Um, we're going to have our, our financial episode where we, we kind of break down the financial results of the, the most recent financial statements um, we haven't decided if we're going to do both of those in the, in the same episode or not, but we, you know, we'll see. Um, and then also I think we'll do a kind of a, a preview season preview episode for, for sure. Um, probably closer to when the windows um, close wrap up so we can kind of see where we stand. We'll both kind of 
give our predictions for players, give our predictions for what, what the Premier League will be like. Uh, and then also how we'll do in Europe. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear it here first. When in the when in Europe. Um, I think too, uh, one thing I'm super excited for is, is that side of the season episode, because we will know what our team is going into Europe. We'll know what our team is going into this next season and, you know, and, and predict if this Moyes, uh, Moyes quote unquote luck is, is going to stick and it's his skill or if it is just, you know, a season, but I, I think it's going to stick. So we'll, we'll have more for you to come. Yeah. All right. With that, have a great summer. Enjoy being a West Ham fan and come on, you irons. And enjoy European football. Come on, you irons. <laughs>